0: All right. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Omni Casey, who is a real estate broker and coach for the past 20 years. Omni, how you doing?
1: Living the dream. Loving it.
0: There we go. <laughs> Love to hear it, man. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, fun's a, a great one. Trying to figure that out myself. I love <laughs> business. I love building businesses, and real estate happens to be the best business that I've found. So for the last twenty years, I've, I've done real estate on you know almost every single angle from a real estate investor to a broker to a to a coach. Uh, started out in Hawaii where I um, grew up. So being in the islands, I love surfing. I love everything in the water. Um, I currently live on the north on uh, on the east coast now. So not a lot of you know. Some swimmable water where I am right now. I guess there is, but it's a little too cold for me. Um, so more outdoor stuff with my kids, three uh, amazing kids. And I try to uh, keep them involved, outdoor activities, but they um, are definitely learning to be real estate junkies like I am. So our favorite pastime on the weekends is taking a look at, you know, properties that just need work and figuring out we're going to buy them or are we checking on projects that are ongoing. And uh, my kids, uh, they're 13 uh, ten and eight, and so they all kind of play a role in our family real estate investing business, and that's that's our 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 work and our hobby at the same time.
0: I got you, I got you. So do they go around to flips with you?
1: They absolutely do. Yeah. So so they go around, they look at properties. We don't do a lot of flips anymore. It's mainly buy and hold value add projects. Every once in a while, we'll do a flip, but um, yeah. Every weekend, it I'm taking one of them, if not a, a few of them, with me looking at properties. Um, That we're either going to make an offer on um, or a property that we're under contract and we're going to go punch a hole in the wall and then let the contractor actually, you know, um, do the real work.
0: Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. There we go. There we go. And so are you focused primarily single family? You do multifamily? You do other asset classes?
1: Yeah, I, I ran the gambit. So starting in in Hawaii, it was condos because that's what I could afford. And then eventually started to invest out of Hawaii and that went into single family homes. And cash flow quickly became my focus. And then small and mid-sized multifamily. Became my sweet spot. So I primarily focus on buying and holding small multifamily. I try to buy in portfolios, so not one at a time. I focus on buying from exiting landlords, landlords that are just, you know, they might have 10, 15, 20 properties, um, hopefully mostly multifamily, and they're just looking to exit, they're looking to just retire, they're getting, you know, tired. Um, it's difficult for someone like that to sell off their entire portfolio so I try to you know be a good buyer and and help them uh get out of that situation um uh, and and it puts me in a position where I can buy a bunch of properties at one time and that gives me a bunch of projects to work on for the next you know few months
0: I gotcha I got you where do you find those investors because I'm very familiar with like PropStream and you get like distressed sellers on Prop Stream, but you're not necessarily getting portfolio sellers on Prop Stream. So
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. They're they're not actively marketing almost anywhere. And so it really is relationships. It really is networking. So I run a group called the Cashwell Breakfast Club. It's it's an education meetup. It's free and, and we've got about hundred people that show up every single month. So every time when we, we kind of get there, first thing I tell everyone is exactly what I'm looking for. And then we let everyone, you know, say what they're looking for as well. And and you tell a group of investors about 100 investors what you're looking for eventually someone's going to find someone cuz what i'm looking for is not exactly what anyone else in the room is looking for not many people are looking to buy 10 or 15 properties at one time um so you just you know figure out can you be unique can you set yourself apart from most investors and then start telling everyone what you um are looking for and then the other way I pick up properties is my property managers and I got various pockets of properties and I I tell them, Hey, I want to be your number one client, uh, which means you need to help me find more properties. And if you hear of anything that comes up or better yet, if any of your clients are looking to retire, if any, any of your clients are looking to just exit being a landlord, call me, I will make them a fair offer. And then if I buy it, you get to keep all the properties in your portfolio. If someone else buys it, there's a good chance you lose 10 properties.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. And do you, when you buy these properties, are you taking on um, investors with the bank debt? Or are you financing the whole thing? Just you and the bank? How does that work? Are you raising capital or not? Is basically the
1: question. I'm not raising capital for, for these properties. These are our personal family portfolios that, that we do. And so it's it's self-funded, it's self-saved, it's it's all of our cash flow over the last 20 years. We we do a good job of saving that up. And then we pull out equity when there's equity and we use that to buy more properties as well. Um so sometimes I'm doing a cash purchase and then I refinance out and do basically with the Burr strategy. It's called I call it the portfolio Burr and I try to put debt on it on the back end. And then if it makes sense then i will um individually purchase and the problem with a portfolio and here's why it's hard for many landlords to sell is they often have debt across all their 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 properties so they they're paid off you know 10 years ago they've had it for a while and they decided at some point to get a portfolio loan and a portfolio loan cross collateralizes across all their properties mm-hmm. and so when they sell one property their lender typically says hold up hold up there, there's some issues with you selling off one property because this one loan that you have is tied to all the properties. It's doable, but it typically is much more tedious. And so that's why them selling to one investor at one time makes it much more easier for them. Um, so I provide that solution. Um, and And because of that problem, I typically don't want a one big portfolio loan. So I typically buy cash or I'll use hard money or whatever it may be, and then quickly try to refinance into long-term debt um, if I'm not able to purchase with long- term debt in the beginning,
0: I got you. Awesome, dude. I am a big fan of the real estate game. I actually jumped into the industry as a realtor, and I couldn't get a commission quick enough to um, withstand my savings. so i had to <laughs> I had to pivot. But I want to hear more about your start in the industry. Tell us about that because it's commission only, right? Sure. So yeah. tell us about that beginning. Yeah,
1: i I love that. And so, I I was an investor first. It was about 20 years ago in Hawaii. I became an investor, um, just kind of found a mentor and just kind of jumped in, just, you know, trying to add value, learn. Once I realized I wanted to be in real estate and and real estate, I was a business owner of a few small businesses. And and I just knew that, all right, I need to step it up to something bigger, a bigger industry. And real estate was that industry. And so I decided to kind of take this mentee role, um, apprentice role, if you will, and just kind of, you know, provide value to my mentor um, and and that got me through several transactions partnering with him and eventually earning my way to equity. But eventually my my roadblock was actually finding a great agent and and so I became an agent. I got my license primarily because that was a roadblock to the information that I felt I needed at that time. now this is 20 years ago. there wasn't a lot of free and available information like there is right now for investors. Um, so I did end up getting my real estate license. Um, never intended to be a real estate agent, if that makes sense. But it was just kind of just for um, me doing my own investment deals. I was my best client for my first year. And eventually I started to look at the the business of being a real estate agent and a broker in the retail side. And it turned out that that was an amazing business as well. It's more of an active business, you know, less than not so much a passive business. But if I was going to go all in on real estate, my goal was to have as much passive income as possible. But I needed active income to be able to reinvest and convert that to passive income. So I decided, all right, my active income was going to be a real estate agent. And I I found a mentor in that space and I got as good as possible, made as much money as possible in that space. And I poured almost every single penny that I earned as a commission in the real estate agent space into buying passive income. That passive income is what we use to, to support our lifestyle. And so we scaled our lifestyle only with our passive income, not our active income, because in commission sales, you might make, you know, $100,000 one month and nothing for three months straight, right? So yeah. um, so that passive income is really what's, what is predictable. And my goal was in my 20s to have enough passive income to consider myself financially free and be quote unquote retired so that I can focus on building my next business or shift to whatever I wanted to do. Um, turns out I really like real estate. So I shifted into more real estate, you know, focuses.
0: There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What is your, are you still pretty active in the brokerage business? Like you're still operating a brokerage?
1: Yes. So I, I run a brokerage. We have about a hundred agents, um, fairly unique um, location where I'm the main uh, broker of this location, but I hired a co-broker to help me on the residential agent side. So he does a lot of the the agent coaching. I hired a commercial broker to run our commercial pillar. So we have residential, we have commercial, and then we're one of the only investor-focused brokers out there, and I run the investment-focused side. Um, Really, my goal is to educate all my agents and their friends and their family and their clients about real estate investing, so that no matter what you're doing, if you're earning an active income, whether it's as an agent or as a doctor or as a whatever you do, um, understanding how real estate investing can be your financial freedom plan if you're pouring your knowledge and you're pouring your focus into that as well. So I almost exclusively help people with the real estate investing, um, but overseeing about 100 agents.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And so when you're training your agents, I guess you are more on the investment side and your partner is more on the kind of, sales training but do you guys train them to generate leads through like direct mail texting calls referrals working referral partners like what's the main lead source for you guys
1: yeah that's a great question and so it's interesting because i still do coach on that and train on that and i did that as an agent i did that as a broker um and now that i'm coaching and training on the real estate investing it's all the same like the the, the, the how you get leads is how you get leads like it's exactly yeah. the same whether you're a real estate agent or a real estate investor trying to get deals um, and it really is. It starts out with, you know, building a brand of credibility and networking and, and getting your name out there. And then eventually you're you're once you're you have the skill sets and the knowledge and you have the, the uh, understanding of who you should be t- talking to figure out how to talk to as many people as possible and have as many conversations as possible. And for some people that's one-on-one door knocking, some people that's mass emails or mass text messages, some people that's social media and responding there. So everyone has their niche of, you know their skill set and comfort zone. They kind of cross cross there, um, but do something so you have as many conversations as possible. And we don't decide how you have those conversations. Now, if you do something for a week straight and you haven't had an actual conversation with anyone, then what you're doing is is incorrect. You know, you're not doing enough or you're not doing correct. But if you're just posting videos and you you are having ten conversations a day based on those videos, then that works for you. But if you're posting videos and you're having zero conversations, then that's not what's going to work for you. So you got to figure out how to have conversations, whether they're in person, whether that they're over coffee, whether they're on the phone, whether they're a text message or some sort of messaging, but you got to have a conversation with somebody to build a relationship and eventually figure out, are they either a client or are they a referral source?
0: Gotcha. Oh, dude, that was so, I love it. And I love it because it talks more about the fundamental of lead gen. And it's like every method works. It depends on who you are and depends on how you want to do it. But make sure you're hitting this basic KPI, which is conversations to build relationships. And then the goal of those relationships is like, are you going to be a referral source? Are you going to be a client? And I assume you also teach them kind of how to groom into those two outcomes. So.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is relationship-based, right? So everything's relationship-based. So how many relationships can you have? And you need to have meaningful conversations to, to kind of grow your relationship from here to here. And so, um, you know, you, you need a database, you need a, a CRM to be able to manage those relationships at a high level. Um, but ultimately, you just need to figure out how to have as many conversations as possible. And depending on where that conversation is, if it's just entry-level, they might not be ready to talk about buying or selling real estate yet, or if you're an investor they they might not be ready to talk about, are they going to sell their property yet? Um, You're just kind of building a relationship. Maybe that's phase two or phase three for them. Um, But once you get to a building a level of trust where they want to openly talk about real estate with you, then that gives you the best shot at either picking them up as a client or picking them up as a lead if you're an investor.
0: perfect wisdom. Like just so like for those beginners in the real estate space, including myself, heed that knowledge. (laughs) Well, awesome. Omni, tell us a little bit about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day?
1: Yeah. So 20 years of real estate investing, um, been fortunate. My, my family's been fortunate. We, like I said, we hit financial freedom fairly early and then we just put our head down and just grinding, grinding, grinding. And, and, and the quote unquote retirement, um, wasn't for me. It turns out I, I hate retirement and I love working. I love building things. um. But what I never did along the way, unfortunately, was um, I never talked about it. I never shared. I never, like if someone asked me, I was willing to help them, but we were pretty private. I'm a private person. My wife's a private person. And so we just put our head down. And um, like last year, the last couple of years was really the first few years we openly talked about the real estate investing. So last year, our goal was to buy uh, we set a big goal for ourselves. We normally buy five to 10 properties, maybe 15 properties a year. Last year, we wanted to buy one property every single week. So we said, told the world we're going to buy 52 properties in 52 weeks. Um, and that was our mantra the whole year. We never got there. We got so close. We ended up closing on 46 properties by the end of the year, um, which is a great year for us. Um, but the more we talk about it, um, the more I realized, man, I should have been doing this earlier because so many people just kind of come up to you and ask, and I kind of had this limiting belief of I shouldn't be talking about money. I shouldn't be talking about success. Um, you know, that's just how I was brought up and, you know, just felt like I was, you know, didn't want to brag., um, but the reality is the more conversations you have about what you're doing, there are so many people that are thinking the same thing, but they just never had anyone to talk to about it. And so I have friends, I have family that are just getting started now on their financial freedom plan that could have started 20 years ago or 15 years ago if I just opened my mouth, right? So a lot of what I do right now is guilt-based. So I am I feel so much guilt for what I didn't do along the way. Um, like I said, I feel like I, I was blessed and I am still being blessed um, being the knowledge and in the, in the industry. So almost everything that I do now, I figure out how can I give back? How can I educate? How can I create a community um, that will help somebody else hopefully, you know, change their life or or give them the opportunity to, to kind of uh, reach their goals.
0: That is so interesting to think about, like, <clears throat> a lot of it being guilt based. And I noticed you mentioned limiting beliefs, we're going to ask a bit more about current limiting beliefs later in the show. But it's crazy how our limiting beliefs impact how we function in the world. And then how that affects how many people we impact. Because you're in a position where you hit financial freedom early on. If you had told more people about it, friends and family, they could have done it with you. And the thing about that is the goodwill can compound. So if you help your friends and family, they can then help more people. And then those people can then help more people. And the like spreading impact that you would have had would have been so much more if not for that limiting belief. And so it was really interesting that you kind of talk about the guilt of that. Because I think a lot of people are like, okay, I've shed the limiting belief. Now it's time to go become my best self. But it's like you are in touch with the impact you could have had and didn't. And that's a unique thing.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to make up for lost time. It feels like I'm scrambling and I'm, I'm just trying to do as many things as possible. And people keep asking, why are you doing that? Why are you starting up that? venture or starting up that. And, and really it, it's, I am trying to make up for lost time. I feel like I need to make up for the sins of my past, if you will. Um, and I'm, I have fun doing it. So I'm not not saying that I'm not having fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 it puts me in a position to actively still be motivated and involved. And, and as my kids get older, um, you know, they get to see me still in an active role. And hopefully that that rubs off on, on them and they're able to kind of get that experience and, and knowledge as well.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of all of these ventures, let's hear more about your dreams and goals. What is what is your vision for your life and your businesses?
1: Yeah. So, I'm part of a mastermind group. Um, I don't know if you are Brandon Turner. He's the host of the Bigger Pocket. So, so our pre- previous host. He's he's a, a good friend of mine, and I consider him a, a mentor and coach. And he has this mastermind called the Maui Mastermind, um, and you know we to go hang out in Maui and we get to, you know, be amongst some amazing investors, but that's really all we talk about for the entire week. Like we talk about vision, goals and things like that. And, and I've done a few of these now And, and so I have this brokerage, I have a personal portfolio business that we're, we're growing and we're continuing to do that. I'm doing this like major, major syndication that's a $3 billion development project. And so I'm working on that as well. We're trying to build this mini city. And, and I've got like three other, you know, kind of blue sky goals that I'm working on. And at this last event, that was just a few months ago, like he, we put it all on paper and we say, okay, what's our goal? What's our focus? What do we care about? And the thing that I care about the most is this free education meetup event that I run. It's called the Castle Breakfast Club. Like that is the most impactful thing that I do like I've changed more people's lives in that than anything else. And I believe that there's more impact potential on that. And so Brandon, he's like, all right, well, that that's your focus, figure out how to make that your goal and your focus. And, you know, I came out of that event kind of, you know, happy with so many other things that I was working on. And I'm like, man, I got to, I got to scale it up on this. So I, I created the goal uh, I had two locations um, here and Hawaii, my kind of my two home bases. And I'm like, I gotta, you know, create this event because we have this unique education format, we have this networking, we have this mastermind. So we feel it's a unique thing that does help people. And I said, I made the commitment of I'm going to open up 100 locations in the next three years. And and it comes down to how do you open up 100 locations in the next three years? I have no idea. Who do I need is really what it is, right? Yeah, so who not how. Not how. <laughs> And so that's it. I'm like, who do I need to find? So I started like figuring out, hired my first intern, you know, that last week, an apprentice, and then slowly adding team members to help me scale out and grow to multiple locations. And then obviously partnering with experienced investors in different markets and provide them this turnkey content that, you know, really allows them to provide to their community, right? It's not a business that they're going to make money. I don't make money on this business, but you will be able to impact a lot of lives and, and you make a lot of money because you're a real estate investor. You get deals before anyone else. You get opportunities before anyone, anyone else. So there's, there's great opportunity for the investors that I partner with, but it's finding the like-minded investors that really just want to give back, pour into their community and provide that value um, as they're actively focusing on their financial freedom as well. Mm.
0: I love that. So growing the Cashflow Breakfast Club to 100 locations in the next three years. And is that in kind of, do you have a target 100 cities? Are you open to that? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have any preference. Obviously, I want to be in every state if possible. Um, Alaska, I'm a little worried about. I don't have any connections in Alaska yet. But um, So I wrote I wrote a book called the Cashflow Breakfast Club. That's where it came, came out, right? So I published the book. It's called the Cashflow Breakfast Club. And it talks about my story growing up um you know the the process that i went to become to become financially free and the process you know and it kind of gives you a a it, it is a power parable format so it follows this character that happens to be very similar to to my story growing up but him stumbling succeeding failing failing finding mentors finding this this kind of group called the castle breakfast club and learning and growing within this group and so that book um was published earlier this year and in there Um, mentioned, hey, if anyone wants to start up a Castle Breakfast Club, reach out to me and I'll be happy to help you. And I've had a a ton of people reach out to me. I just never had the bandwidth up until now and never not like I really have the bandwidth with now, but never really had the ability to like, all right, drop what I'm doing and help someone open it up. So now I'm putting the framework in place. I have a bunch of people that are in a queue waiting to to kind of provide that me to provide that information to them provide the the educational content provide them the training needed to maybe lead one of those um and i'm excited about it it's a new venture um, but I, i'm building out the systems as we speak so the goal is january 1st um to flip the switch and and open up a few more locations that are waiting and then actively uh grow out from there okay
0: okay so we got grow the cash flow breakfast club to 100 locations in the next three years one in every state you're currently building a mini city, which is a three billion dollar development. Is that right?
1: Yes. So, not building yet. We are we are working on getting it uh, approved for build. Um, but I'm in Northern Virginia, Loudoun County, uh, just outside of D.C. And we uh, we started a syndication a few months ago, and we started to raise funds for this amazing just. M- the closest thing you can call it is a mini city. So it's it's multifamily, it's commercial, it's retail. It has like a stadium in the middle and a convention center. So we're building this, you know, all inclusive city right next to you know public, um, you know, main transportation um, in an area that has a high need for that. We have a high need for housing. We have a high need for more of that commercial space. And there's no entertainment, um, you know, kind of sports and entertainment venues anywhere uh, near us. And so we have this goal and and we've been working on this goal for for a couple of years now. And you know, the green light started to line up just last year and to the point of all right, we're ready to go. We have our financing in place. We just need to raise the funds. Um, $52 million accredited investor syndication. And um have you ever read the book Um Hundred Million Dollar Offers by Alex Hormozy? You know I've read that book. <laughs> so that that guy a beast and <laughs> And so while I'm putting this together, right, and, and I don't I've I've been a part of, of multiple syndications, uh advisor roles, LP roles, um, but I, I personally don't raise funds. Like like my my investment strategy is I own everything. And so raising funds was something different for me. Um, although I've been involved in, in multiple roles on, in syndications. Um, but I'm reading this book, you know, and you just make an offer like I'm gonna botch the quote, but no oh, good an that offer, they can't say no. Yes. Like so good. Like, like they feel stupid saying no something along those lines. Right. And so that's what we did. We just said, all right, like, what would be the most amazing syndication? What would be the most amazing return? What would be like the, the, the minimal downside risk possible? Um, And so uh, we put that together it took us about six months to kind of refine it we kind of went through you know various um iterations of it we came up with what we feel is like the perfect um you know syndication now so many things still need to line up with the zoning and with the the land and approval and that's what we're waiting on right now but we opened up because we thought we were so we were close on the land and so we started to take soft commitments on our raise and We're talking about a $52 million raise from someone that doesn't normally raise money. We got to 75% within like less than a month, like $40 million, right? Of soft commitments though. We're not taking any money yet. And we're like, man, one, we got there much quicker than we thought we would because we made such an amazing offer. We're giving so much away, but- we like, all right let's pause we gotta we gotta focus on getting the land you know and getting past our due diligence because we can't actually take the money until we're, we're we're done with that so our goal is hopefully to work through our due diligence on the land and get to the point where we can move forward by the end of this year if not early January and then we're going to continue uh finishing out that syndication raise but we proved the concept of if you make an amazing offer and you just say here is everything here's how we're protecting your money, there's a lot of money out there. And there's a lot of people looking to place money and we get calls saying, Hey, I I heard about your syndication. Can I, can I invest in? It? I'm like, well, we're, we're pausing that right now. We we need to get to two more checks on our due diligence before we can actually, you know, send out our disclosures and actually take any money. Right. And so, um, but I, I credit Alex Hormozy to at least kind of putting me into that mindset of creating this amazing offer and, you know, we are tying it to real estate. So I'm excited about it.
0: That is amazing. <laughs> I love it so much because um, I, one of my goals in life, this thing behind me, left with love, connected by choice, is um, to just raise the standard of living across the world to around middle class American. Nobody needs for food, shelter, water, or concern for their safety. I was like, okay, how can I start on this now? Because I just feel like I, you know, I'm only 23, but like life passes you by quick. And like five years ago, I was 18 and I was thinking about it, you know? And so um, I was, I had this idea for this just development where it's like we would, could profitably end homelessness in Austin and get those people back on track. That's what I was trying to think of, of like the numbers for that and what would need to happen. And when you said $3 billion development, it caught my eye because when I ran the numbers, that was about, and I'm very inexperienced with development, but just from what I Googled and stuff, it was like, billion. And so I was so curious to hear what you were doing and to hear that it's a mini city. Maybe I need to go run some new numbers. we got
1: to connect offline because I mean, I love, I love your focus. So, so this is going to get into the weeds and and we probably don't have time to talk talk about all this, but we actually, our ownership structure is a nonprofit. So we are going to have a, the city was going to be owned by a nonprofit. It's going to be make a ton of money that will go 100% towards homelessness, towards various causes that that are near and dear to us, veteran causes, right? So there's so many things that we care about. And one, we make a lot of money in real estate and we know how to make make money in real estate and we know how to get a return for investors, but we have this social need to give back as well. So it's going to be a really good investment, but also we're going to be tied to this really, really cool cause. Um, I was in, um, I I go into various schools, middle school, high schools, every once in a while and just kind of present as a business owner. Um, You know, I most recently presented uh, one of the local high schools, I think 11th grade, and the the topic was the American dream. So we talked about real estate, investing and things like that. And I do this almost every single time, but I'm in in this room, right? You got these kids and some of them are excited. Some of them could care less, right? But I, I basically say someone in this room is meant to change the world. Something that like, that's my belief. I believe someone in this room is meant to change the world. And let that sink in. Like it might be you. Maybe there's multiple people in this room that are meant to change the world. All right. So sink, sink in, just assume that's you. Now I'm going to connect with you five years from now, 10 years from now. And let's say you didn't change the world. Let's say you didn't make a single impact that you wanted to, that you're dreaming of right now. Why did you not Make that impact. Or why did you not change the world? And it's awkward silence, right? And the 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 same answer comes out every single time. It's like someone raises their hand, is like, well, didn't have the money to do it. Yep. All right. Okay. Well, let's figure that out, right? If you can focus on not needing money, if you can focus on not needing money to survive, yeah, so that you can go change the world, would you do it? Like, okay, yeah. Like so, so that is that is the cash flow breakfast cup. That that's our mantra. It's not about money. We like, we make a lot of money. We like money. We like investing. But can you fast track your financial freedom? Can you get the financial freedom in five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever it's gonna be, so that once you're financially free, you can do whatever you want. Some of you will choose to sit on the beach and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that but some of you will choose to go build something bigger and take bigger risks that just might change the world because now you can, because even though you're taking those risks, if it doesn't pay off, you have your passive income that, you know, from your rental properties more than likely that are supporting your family, supporting your lifestyle. And I failed many times in business. I failed so many times, but I had this financial safety net of my rental properties. My rental properties allowed me to take risks and, And even if I failed, my family didn't suffer, but we were able to succeed on many, many things um, that I was able to work on because I did not need income. And so that's the goal. I said, figure out what is your next step? How do you set up a, a plan for your next three years, five years, 10 years, these are high school kids to become financially free? Because if you figure that out right now, then you can, before you're 60, 70, 80, start thinking about actually what you're going to do to change the world. And that changes the tone in there. Clearly not everyone takes it seriously, but hopefully there's a handful of them are saying, you know what? I want to be on that path. I don't want to take the normal path. I don't want to work till I'm 60, 65. And maybe I might be doing something good at that point. You're going to be too tired at that point. I'm yeah. 40. I'm tired right now, right? So the reality <laughs> is like you are going to get burnt out. Life just burns you out. Figure out how to put your head down, sacrifice right now with the goal of becoming financially free. And once you're financially free, figure out what you're going to do to change the world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. That is like, oh, I love that. (laughs) I love that energy. I love that concept because I think so many people, I mean, money is like the number one barrier for people to like, it's either money. And then if it's not money, it's fear. And really those things are really closely tied, honestly. And so I've just seen it stop so many people and it just breaks my heart. And I'm like, we can solve this problem. Like, let's go after it together. Like I'm starting where you're starting. Like, let's go, you know, so, um, for sure. But awesome. Any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about other than the mini city and cash flow breakfast club?
1: So I, I think, I think that's it. I, I tried to live, I talked about this on a couple other podcasts, but I, I tried to live my like life in decades, right? So my twenties was about financial freedom. And so it, that was it. Put my head down, like get as much cash flow as possible. And then my 30s was about generational wealth. I had kids at that time and figuring out, okay, how do I set up beyond just what I need? And now do, how do I set up for the next generation and set, you know, making sure that they're okay. And then I hit 40 uh, last year. and And now it's about legacy, right? So everything it is, how do I leave a legacy? How do I make an impact? How do I you know, then that's where the guilt start to to kick in. I'm like, man, I should have been doing this earlier, right? So so it is my legacy projects. I have the big development project, my legacy project. I put out the book because I want to provide a path or some information um and hopefully leave leave a legacy. Um, of people that are are taking that path of financial freedom through real estate. And then the Cash Breakfast Club is a hands-on expansion of, of hopefully that legacy of, of not just myself, but I believe our entire community wants to give back and it, it gives them a, a platform to give back and once again, become financially free so that they can change the world.
0: There we go. That legacy is so important. What are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now to make these dreams and goals come true?
1: Oh man, I need way more than one to do skills. Um <laughs> I need to get way, way better at um the who not how. Right. And I understand every single time I, I understand I am the worst person to run anything. Like, like when I started buying properties, I was my own property manager. It turns out I am a terrible property manager. And if I did not realize I was a terrible property manager earlier on and outsourced that, I would still have properties and that's it maybe right so I could not scale beyond a certain level so like whatever my goal is whatever my vision is I'm really good at coming up with businesses and starting businesses and coming up with the structure for it but I really need integrators and so me um, you know earlier um, hiring people is is a, is a very important skill set but hiring people and hiring people before I actually need them is probably the most important um kind of process in my and skill set that I need to learn to be able to scale at, at the pace that I want to scale
0: mm, I love that And what hire do you need to make right now?
1: Uh, so I luckily I just hired somebody last week and so right. I I created this uh, um, I don't know what it's called. So I I do mentoring, you know, I have have uh, mentors and I I but it was never really a position. It was like people just asked me for for advice and and part of my my group and you know, I help a lot as many people as possible, but rarely do I kind of I'm able to take one on one of those mentors as like in a full apprentice that I'm going to be with all the time. So I actually created a role, a paid position, paid mentor, paid apprentice role. Um, uh, Brandon Turner is the one that gave me the idea. He said he grew his whole, whole business based on hiring apprentices and mentors that I eventually scaled into like the CEO of his company, the CFO, you know, key, key figures. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have my first apprentice slash mentor that that is a, a paid position and um, that they're going to be starting next week, but just hired them. I put out a post, Brandon actually reshared the post and commented on it. So I got like a ton of views on it. Like I have no social media presence myself whatsoever, but when Brandon Turner mentions it, people reached out, got like, I don't know, close to a hundred inquiries on that alone. <laughs> um, But found, found a really, really awesome guy that, that I'm excited to kind of introduce. And if it may just be an intern role, it may just be, you know, one year thing for him, or he might be, the CFO of my company or the CEO of my company for the expansion for the cashflow breakfast club, sky's the limit. I'm going to kind of give him the reins, teach him what to do. And, you know, and if he is who I think he is, he's going to be hiring 10 people over the next year to help him grow his business that I kind of created for him. So that's my goal. I want to find more leaders that will fill in the roles under them versus up until now I've found almost everyone individually and I want to be able to step back from that position and let people grow their teams based on the the guidelines that I give them.
0: I love it. That is a great application of who, not how. So yeah. I'm looking forward to, I'll have to follow you and see how your intern is doing on sure. your business for sure. Awesome. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards your dreams
1: and goals? So um, every day, man, there's a lot of daily routines. I, I'm 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 all about habits and routines. And like if I'm having a bad day or a funky day or whatever it is, I, I look back and it's probably because I did something different. I did something wrong. And like one little thing just might mess me up. So I'm I'm very very strict on trying to make sure I have my my morning routine and then my getting in the zone. I call it like the like getting into the state of flow in the morning um, is is very important for me. So I couldn't go without that. But ultimately, once you get past that, it's figuring out like what is your men's, your most important next step. Um, and that is... Like it's not just a checklist. It's like the next step there. Right? And so people ask, how do I balance so many projects and so many, you know, things that I'm focusing on? I have a spreadsheet, not a spreadsheet, but it's Evernote, right? And in Evernote, there's like seven different boxes and these seven different boxes is home, my investing business, my, my brokerage, my, my book, my flow breakfast club expansion, my, my project, my this, 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 right? So, and then under each of those, there's one or two bullet points. And that's the next thing that I need to focus on. So it's not like, what is, what I need to do this entire year. It's, I know where the goal is going to go. I have my vision for that, that one year, three year vision for, for that, that category. But today, here's what I need to do. Or, or, you know, even if it's not today, if it's this week, if there's one or two things under this category, get really good at um, understanding your most important next steps and actually achieve them, checking them off the box. And then once you check them off the box, figure out what are you filling in next? Like, what is the next thing that is going to move you closer to your goal? um Because sometimes we, we get busy in life and in work or whatever we're doing. And we might look up and realize we're busy doing things that didn't really matter. Right. So it's understanding how do you focus on things that matter the most to help you kind of focus and get towards your next goal?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, uh, the men's, I haven't heard that, but I've, read the one thing by Gary Keller. Yes. I feel like it's a very similar vibe of like, what's that next thing that is going to move the needle forward the most. And my question to you is for those who don't know how to figure out their men's, which is the most important next step. Um, what process do you go through to identify that most important next step? Like, are you doing a beginning of the year forecast for the year? And I want to hit this goal. So I know this needs to happen every month. And I know this needs to happen every day. So these are the action steps. Like, are you doing that before? Or is it a daily thing? Like, walk me through it.
1: Yeah, there's, um, and I've evolved this over the years. So I used to do every 10 years. And that's why I lived my life in decades. And And I think that was a mistake for me, although it helped me achieve a lot of things in a 10 year period, because ultimately, I felt like whatever I was doing, I needed to have retired from that. If I started a business, I needed to have started a business, help it become successful and be able to step back from that business before the end of the decade, right? So I can start something new. Um, And if I had to do it all over again, I would have done that in every five years or every three years. So right now I do a three-year vivid vision. Uh, Cameron Harold has a great book called Vivid Vision and it is, and there's many great books out there, but it helps you vision cast what's your next, you know, what's, what's your attainable goal in the next three years and, and. On a weekly basis um, and a monthly basis, there are check-ins, you know, kind of to connect you with that big vision. Um, but ultimately, once you look at your weekly and monthly um, kind of focus, it comes down to tasks at that point, right? So it's hard to understand how making this call or analyzing this property or hiring this person is connected to your your three-year vision. Um, so that's why you're, you're, you're having all these meetings with yourself or with your team along the way but once you get out of your weekly and monthly w- monthly meetings with yourself or with your team, you're going to have tasks and those tasks, you just prioritize them. What is the most important next step? So it's, it might not be I need to hire somebody. It might be I need to actually place an ad or I need to actually, you know, write a job description. You know, that was my most important next step because hiring somebody was daunting for this role. And then you have to break it down to something, a very, very mi- minute and small step to kind of you know get closer to, to the actual goal.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That was so well put. Um, what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true?
1: Oh, Character trait. Um, I, I think I would like to say I, I, I should be easier on myself uh, at some point. I would like to feel less guilt and be okay with who I am. Um, but right now I think that's driving me. And so um, my goal is to get to the point where hopefully I give back enough and hopefully I, I make an impact enough where I don't need to um, feel the guilt and and kind of keep relying on that guilt because without that guilt, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm doing right now, right? So I'm figuring out, you know, um, you know how do I kind of move forward, um, still make the impact that I want, but maybe a driver outside of guilt would be would be nice. I don't know if that's a character trait uh in general but um I think a a better focus or or driver for vision for the future would be nice at some point.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Do you think your guilt is is bad? Like and I ask that question because like I think you recognize it as guilt right now but it seems like the guilt is rooted in a moral obligation to serve people in the best way possible. And I feel like that in and of itself is very pure motivation. And you're just kind of at the point where you're beating yourself up for not doing that for the past 20 years. But like when I, when I just look at your driver from the outside looking in, I'm like, is it guilt or is it the thing under guilt that is really pure? And right now it's manifesting as guilt because of just, how hard you're being on yourself. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, maybe guilt's not the right word. I don't know what the right word is, but it feels like guilt and, and that's, and I've come to terms with it. Right. So, so I, I know what I should have been doing and and I'm okay with my guilt for the moment because it's driving me to do things I am a private person. I'm an introvert. I would not be doing almost anything. I wouldn't be talking <laughs> on this podcast. I wouldn't have put out a book. I wouldn't have started a club, right? Unless I felt the need to, and I felt the guilt driving me beyond that, right? So I think right now it's the fuel uh, on my fire. Um, there's a lot of things that I would not be doing without that guilt. So I I do um, value it right now. I just At some point, I need to be able to replace that fuel with something else. I don't know what it is yet.
0: I feel I cool. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now and these it can be a specific person or type of person and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they do it?
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about Alex Hormozi a bunch and so I don't think it's fair to uh kind of bring him up again, but you know, he's not in the real estate space, but I look up to him so much. Just he, he's a beast and so it would be awesome to be able to connect with him just as a business owner. Um that being said, who I, who I need in my life is I need a COO of my entire life. Like, so I have various businesses and projects and, and team set up and I have my integrators, you know, in each of those, um, I'm the CEO, COO, CEO over everything or the visionary over everything. Um, but they're all just kind of, although there's a connection, they're all, most of them are real estate related. Um, I, I. I'm the common thread through through all of them. So I need someone that's almost like an asset manager for my life, um, a CEO or or integrator for my life, um, to kind of be a partner in everything that I'm doing. Um, and I just don't know that's such a big daunting task, or that's such a big role to even look at because I don't know if it exists, right? You know, it's almost like looking for a spouse. Um, I'm married, so I'm not looking for a spouse, but you know, looking for someone like in in all your business ventures even though they're they're disjointed in a way. So that's probably in the next few years who I need to figure out if that role exists, if not, you know, create one of those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you talked about that, I actually thought of Alex Hormozy and his company, acquisitions.com, because they own like a portfolio of companies and I'm sure they have somebody, or Layla was talking about hiring herself out of the business. And I feel like that's a similar hire, something you're looking at I know you don't have a holding company for all your projects but um just a thought yeah for sure awesome well now we're gonna jump into our thriving three and our first question is what's your favorite book movie or podcast pick one
1: book movie or podcast man um bigger pockets obviously (laughs) so instrumental for anyone in, in real estate, right? So so that's an amazing podcast. Um, I, I would say I probably enjoyed it more when Brendan was a host, but it's still, um, David's an awesome host and, and he's he's got a great team there. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a book is the one that changed my life. Um, and that's probably, you know, cliche because a lot of people, you know, as well, and it's it's more mindset over anything. And so understanding that there was a different way to think of things put me on a path, a business path, um, that eventually led to real estate as well. So those are, are two that that I tend to talk about quite often.
0: There we go. And what's one way you like to take care of yourself?
1: Um, as of late, we forced ourselves to go on a lot of vacations. And so we we lived a life of, um, let's just pour everything back into the business. Let's let our rental properties store up money, but we're going to both go buy more rental properties with that. And we did that for so long where we didn't really enjoy um, I don't I'm not gonna say we didn't enjoy life we had, we had a, a great family great life but we didn't get the benefit as as often as we should have so it's intensely building in um, trips with my kids um, trips with my wife you know whether they're just weekends whether they're going back to Hawaii um, Sedona Arizona is one of our, our favorite places uh, nearby here so we've, we've gone on I don't know 10 or 11 trips this year where over the last, you know, couple of years we went on almost no trips, right? So it's it's making up for lost time, some of it, but intentionally building in um this these vacations or these you know times to recharge.
0: Love it. Love it. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it, to meet either Alex Ramosi or the COO of your entire life?
1: Ooh, that's a great question, Alex Formosi. Don't have a, an answer for that. I guess I could start giving him a shout out a little bit more on on podcasts, maybe. And I guess I could actually look him up. Um, maybe I feel like I'm not ready to connect with him. Um, nah, I'm ready, but um, it but the CEO of my life. So I'm a part of a group it's called uh, Go Abundance, a great group of you know business minded. And, you know, a lot of them are investors, but just business business owners in general. And that group, I think has so many different people, both CEO minded and COO minded, um, where I think if I just start to talk about it more at the groups and activities that we do of what I'm looking for, I can probably find a partner, um, for what I'm looking for. Um, or even there's some sort of merger, of uh, find someone doing something very similar to what I'm doing. Um, but I might be, p- be playing a role that they, they need as well. Maybe that visionary role. So I think, um, be more vocal about what, what I'm looking for. And um, hopefully people can help me make connections or point me in the right direction.
0: It's crazy how much of life just comes down to talking to people. (laughs) All right. We got our last series of questions here and these can get a bit personal. So if you ever don't want to answer them, just be like, I'm a pass. And I'll be like, "Okay, cool.
1: No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. This
0: guy. (laughs) Awesome. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life? If any.
1: Yeah, so I guess the one we talked about earlier is, um, right? This, this, I don't know if that's a limiting belief, but but really, I mean, uh, always have imposter syndrome, always, right? So, and 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 I I use that as the excuse why I didn't talk about real estate or talk about my success because I'm like I I don't know if I had the right to even talk about it. Like I've only done a handful of deals, and then it's like, all right, I've done a hundred deals, but still, there's someone else that that you know I shouldn't be the one teaching on this, so. I think this imposter syndrome that that I have, that I, I know many high achievers have as well, just getting over that and just you know getting past that and and um, being able to say you know you have value, you can provide value. One of the the core kind of rules within my group, the Cashflow Breakfast Club, is I don't care if you're brand new, if you've been here two months, you're going to help someone that's been here one month, right? If you've done one deal, you'll help someone that has done no deals. If you've done ten, right? So no matter where you are understand that you can be a mentor to somebody and then someone's going to be a mentor to you, right? So you're not looking for the ultimate Yoda at the top of the totem pole. Um, that's what not what we need to be, but we we along the way um, can be mentors and my own living, limiting beliefs even to this day still kind of limit me to even think about, all right, what should I be doing there?
0: I got you, I got you. Yeah, the imposter syndrome pops up for a lot of people just curious, I know you've done a lot of work on imposter syndrome. Are there any actions that you take to this day, whether it be daily, weekly, monthly, or annually, that reinforce that imposter syndrome in your life? So you have the belief of, am I good enough to really talk about this or do this? Then you have those thoughts, you have those feelings, and then you act based on them. Any of that in your life still?
1: So that reinforced my imposter syndrome, um, I think the more i keep to myself the more i'm like in my own head like like we're always the worst on ourselves right so getting out and creating a community was the first step and and as i'm helping people on a daily weekly monthly basis on a small scale or big scale um you know as i'm intentionally putting myself in groups masterminds training sessions with the highest level achievers in my industry and realizing like man i belong here right and so it's doing that on a regular basis that actually helps you maybe recharge your your confidence a little bit recharge your your motivation to kind of step outside of your comfort zone um if i go six months or a year without any of those kind of events and i i'm back in my shell again i'm like man i don't know if I should be teaching anybody this, I need to figure it out for myself, or I haven't fixed this problem in my business, I got to fix that first before I have the right to to tell anyone. So I think it's, you know, um, important to get outside of your comfort zone and really be a part of the community. Um, so that you know, you can see you know what you are doing to kind of provide value along the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Getting into community, helping people and just taking the action. If you were to change that limiting belief, that imposter syndrome, that am I good enough to talk about this or do this into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart, what would that phrase be?
1: And that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> an abundant phrase that spoke to my heart. Um to change that limiting belief, um I have value, and I bring value and I I've changed lives and I believe I can continue to change lives. Um, Me not putting myself out there, me not stepping outside of my comfort zone um, goes against everything that I'm striving for right now. And so if I really, truly do want to believe, um, truly, truly do want to make an impact and leave a legacy, I need to be uncomfortable. I need to absolutely, um, you know, silence those voices in my head that are telling me don't do that or stop or you're not you're not you know uh you shouldn't be you're not at a place where you should be doing that um and and really just see the impact that i'm i'm having so um yeah that that's not really one affirmation or one um you know thing but i think that's that's what something along the lines of what it needs to sound like
0: there we go great answer great answer we got one last question for you. you ready yes all right, I wanna frame this next question and I'm gonna frame it by introducing Alex Formosi again. <laughs> so Alex said that the difference between manipulation and help is intent. And I think his point here is that you're influencing people in both situations, but manipulation is about getting somebody to do something you want them to do while help is about seeking to understand what somebody else wants and helping them get there. So this question is about help, not manipulation. Now, there's a common saying that you can lead a horse to water but you can't make it drink. I actually found out from Dr. Alan Laika, who was a guest on the show, that you can make a horse drink. You just have to salt its oats. Now, I want you to think of a person with a really fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, not willing to accept change, but they hate their life. How can we, you and I, create an environment to salt their oats and help them change their life?
1: Man, that is a great question. I love how you framed that. I never heard that quote from Alex Hormozy, but doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. Reminds me of a book uh, that by Robert Doctor Robert Caldini. It's called Persuasion, and it talks about you know the human nature and talks about psychology and and you know um, I teach a class called the it's a Jedi focused class Star Wars theme, but you know using your mind right to help people make a decision and you're exactly right right so a jedi uses their power or their mind but for good hopefully versus the the, the dark side right so yeah. so these skill sets we can absolutely influence people but it's you know helping helping them do something that um is important to them so as a real estate agent i found this out um along the way because in the beginning i was like well i don't want to push anybody i don't want to you know come off like like you know salesy or aggressive and and then we went through a cycle where people that didn't buy, because I did not give them enough positive reinforcement that they should be buying that property, that was the right deal, that was the right investment for them, two years later are looking at me like regretting life, regretting their decision and saying, you should have pushed me, right? So so I found that there are some people, many people that will not make a decision for their own good unless they're nudged, at least nudged in the right way. And and really, I think it comes down to your confidence and your belief in in what is right and what is helpful um, for at least your situation. And is your situation relatable to whoever you're trying to help along the way? So I'm passionate about real estate investing. And so I, I feel confident standing on the mountaintop shouting from the mountaintop and saying everyone should be a real estate investor to some level, right? Whether it's active or passive. And I didn't have that confidence early on, right? It was for me, but now I know everyone should be involved in some level, right? And so um, I think getting confident in what works for you and, you know, I'm I'm bad at confrontation, right? So I there's family and friends I have not went to. I wrote a book so I didn't have to go to them. Like they can go order the book and hear what I'm like, I should have been telling them, you know, out front. Um, so I guess you know, maybe put out a book and that that helps them. But, um, you know, if someone is, you know, their life is miserable, right? it's it's figuring out, um, is there some sort of intervention that you can have and come down to their core of, you know what what changes need to happen? And ultimately, there's a reason behind the reason. And they might be miserable because they're tired. They might be miserable because their job. They might be miserable because they don't have the things that they want. And I really look at that. All of that is tied to freedom. Like if someone had freedom, financial freedom, and that buys them their time freedom. If they had financial freedom, that buys them the ability to make a decision to live their life the way they want. So that is the answer for so many problems for me. If someone's having an issue, I always ask myself, could this be solved or resolved? if they were financially free, the answer is not always yes, but like 99% of the time it's yes. And so I understand how to help people become financially free. That is almost always the path that I take them on.
0: Mm, there we go. Omni, thank you so much for coming on the show. That's all we got for you.
1: Appreciate it. Love it. This is a great show. And, and I look forward to uh, connecting with you offline a little bit more about some of that stuff as well.
0: Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming on guys. Thank you for watching. If you loved what he had to say, make sure to check out the show notes, all the links to contact him will be right there. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out.